It's All Things Considered, and I'm Lauren Landau with our ongoing series, Anacostia Unmapped. Every Wednesday, residents tell stories of their neighborhood, and today they're talking about Emancipation Day, the moment in D.C. history when thousands of slaves became free. We include a testimonial from a former slave who uses language that some may find offensive. Here is lead producer Katie Davis. Whispers. The whispers started and grew. Whispers until the word was loud in thousands of slaves' mouths and freedom was shouted. It was April 16, 1862, and the president signed a paper and 3,100 D.C. slaves were freed. Emancipation Day. Many African Americans in this city remember it as a day that started them on a new life. Let's begin with John Johnson, a poet and playwright and contributor to Anacostia Unmapped. Imagine a soft spring day in April, 1862. Frederick Douglass was at the Capitol watching a vote. He says, I trust I am not dreaming. He said this to a U.S. senator. But the event seemed like a dream. Frederick Douglass listened to the vote count and saw Congress pass a bill to free the city's slaves. The Compensated Emancipation Act. President Lincoln signed it on April 16, 1862. 3,100 men, women, and children. Free just like that. But we lose track of the compensation part. Up to $300 for each slave, also the owner had to prove that they were loyal to the union. Once the bill passed, the slave owner had 90 days to submit a petition to get paid. It's a punch in the gut to see the list, the numbers, and the names and the descriptions that say slave for life. Margaret Barber was the second largest slave owner in Washington. She lived by the Naval Observatory and owned 33 slaves. And she wrote a detailed list. I want you to hear it. Peter Jenkins, age 65, height 5.8.5, value $250. Mary Jenkins, age 58, height 5.2, value $200. Ellen Jenkins, age 60, Height 5-2, value $250. Susan Carroll, age 36, height 411 and 7 eighths, value $400. Dennis Carroll, age 7, height 3 feet 10 inches, value $300. Congress ruled on the compensation petition and hired a slave trader from Baltimore to appraise the slave's value. Right there, after freedom, the slave trader was still making money. Margaret Barber believed her slaves were worth $25,000. In the end, she got $9,000. Overall, the government paid $1 million to slave owners in Washington, D.C. And that was not done in any other state or when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued later that year. Later on, Frederick Douglass said it was easy to break forth with joy on April 16th. He added, but the present occasion calls for something more. How stands the Negro today? And maybe that's how we should mark the day. No parades, concerts, maybe a deep questioning. How stands black people today? That's poet and playwright John Johnson of Anacostia Unmapped. And now we reach back to a man who kept his memories for decades, long enough to share. Fountain Hughes was a slave in nearby Virginia and was recorded by the Library of Congress in 1949, 
one of the few audio interviews that survive. My name is Fountain Hughes. I was born in Charlottesville, Virginia. My grandfather belonged to Thomas Jefferson. My grandfather was 115 years old when he died. And now I am 101 years old. When we found out that we were free, we had no home, you know. We just turned out like a lot of cattle. You know how to turn cattle out in the pasture? Well, after freedom, you know, colored people didn't have nothing. Colored people didn't have no beds when they were slaves. We didn't know nothing. And there were some freeborn colored people where they had a little education, but there were very few of them where we was. We were what they called, we were slaves. We belonged to people. They sell us like they sell horses and cows and hogs and all like that, have an auction bench, and they put you on a up on the bench and bid on you, the same as you're bidding on cattle, you know. Women, sell them in. Oh, they'd, and then if they had any bad ones, they'd sell them to the nigger traders, what they call the nigger traders, and they'd ship them down south, to sell them down south. But uh, we didn't have nowhere to go. We didn't have nobody to boss us. And uh, we didn't know nothing, and it wasn't, was no school, and when they started a little school, well, the people that were slaves, they couldn't many of them go to school, except they had a father and a mother, and my father was dead, and my mother was living, but she had three, four other little children, she had to put them all to work for, to help take care of the others. So we had, well, we had what you call worse than dogs, we got it now. Dogs have got it now better than we had it when we come along. Uh, and uh, get along the best you could. Nobody to look after us. We've been slaves all our lives. My mother was a slave, my sisters were slaves, father was a slave. Well, I don't know how. I don't know to tell you the truth. When I think of it today, I don't know how I'm living. There's none of the rest of them as I know of living. I'm the oldest one that I know that's living. But still, I'm thankful to the Lord. But still, I don't like to talk about it because it makes, makes people feel bad. You know what I'd rather do? If I thought that I'd ever be a slave again, I'd take a gun and just End it all right away. The words of Fountain Hughes, an ex-slave from Charlottesville, Virginia, from the Library of Congress. Anacostia Unmapped is a project of Finding America, a project of audio independence and radio. We had support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Katie Davis for Anacostia Unmapped.